Welcome to Member Maker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. Today, I'll be chatting with Elizabeth Pampalone, founder of ElizabethPampalone.com, about how she started her membership business, the importance of taking action, and how you can avoid over-planning and overthinking things. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for taking some time and uh, talking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So why don't you give everybody an idea uh, about what your business is and, and a quick overview. Well, this is my 18th year as a website designer, so been around a little bit. And I found uh, MemberSpace about a year ago, and I just kind of fell in love with the functionality, and I was just so impressed. And so um, I've been using it ever since, um, but my main thing is helping small businesses with their websites and their business models and really just getting things off the ground and working correctly. So I use different tools for that, one being MemberSpace, one being Squarespace, and a bunch of other tools that I use. But that's that's pretty much what I do, and I do it every day, and I, I really do love waking up and doing my job every day. That's cool. That's That's a rare thing to have achieved, right? Most people don't feel that way. Yes, yes, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so, would it be fair to kind of summarize this as you have consulting services that you provide? Yes. Uh, typically, it's a web design firm with a marketing aspect and also a business mentoring aspect. So, kind of those two pieces together. Cool. And so, what part of that did you turn into sort of a membership model? So I actually do a lot of training as well. Um, I teach how to build six months of social media in a day, how to do 12 months of blogging in a day, and things like that. And I was doing all these trainings, and people would say, oh, I missed that one. Or, oh, why why wasn't that one on a different day? I couldn't make it. And I do a lot of them live locally um, in my area. And so I was like, you know what? I, I record these either way. I mean, I'm recording them for myself so that I can go back and listen to them, make sure I'm you know, articulating correctly and things like that. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to save these recordings and put them into a membership and really just utilize all this content that I've created and actually get something more out of it than just that one time or two time use. Uh, yeah, it's very clever. We've heard that from a few other people, the idea of sort of recycling or repurposing content um, because you're obviously already doing all the work. You're putting on that event, you're recording it, you're preparing ahead of time, obviously. And then to be able to reuse that without really much extra work, it sounds like just kind of uploading it to a page on your site. That, that's a really smart idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was something that I didn't want to be a big production. Um, coming from WordPress, I everything was always a big production, I felt like. It was always like way over the top, like all the things you had to do and all the tasks, um, just to get one thing up and running. And I, I built a membership site previously in WordPress. And I was like, oh, no, I don't really want to do this again. And when I found the different tools, you know, through Squarespace, through MemberSpace, I was like, you know what, this is a lot easier than I remember it being. And it really just gave me that confidence to just go ahead and do it. And with the the pricing and stuff, I was so happy because I was able to kind of do it and not feel like I was, you know, when I didn't have any members at that point starting it out, I was just kind of was like, I'm going to start this. I'm going to tell people about it. Um, and just instead of, you know, pre-selling and kind of getting the word out and making the hype and I just started it and I paid it every month. And as I started to get members, it started to pay for itself, which is really cool. And so now, of course, it's 
generating some money, which is good. But it's one of those things that I feel like I, I can kind of sustain doesn't matter what my membership does. Like I'm always adding to it and changing it and moving things around and because it's so easy to use and, and work through. So it's, it's been a really great tool um, for me um, and just able to do something. And actually like, I hate like people that just sit there and talk about stuff and they don't do it. <laughs> so I like to take action. And this was like a really cool way for me to just jump in and do something. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to, to take, take note of for other people out there is that you can kind of plan everything to death, right? You can, you can spend forever trying to figure out the perfect way to do something or, you know, tweak this one part, but getting it out there, launching it, getting, getting real feedback from people. That's really the, the, the path to truly learning about what your customers want. Absolutely. I totally agree. So the membership model specifically of your business, uh, the, the live events and such, how long were you actually doing that for? Uh, before the membership? Yeah. Uh, well, um, 16 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah it's, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah. And, and, and so how recently did you decide, okay, let's try to turn this into a membership model, that, that specific side of the business? Uh, two years ago. And like I said, I'd had previous memberships, you know, in the past. Um, but, you know, it was just, it was always such a, a time suck. And I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to do it simpler. And I ended up naming my membership the Simplified Academy because I like things simplified. <laughs> I yeah. wanted it to be something easy that was not going to um, overtake my life. And like you said, you can plan something to death. And when I, one of the reasons I, when I work with my clients that I, I make them do things in a day. So I only do websites in a day. I only do um, email marketing in a day. I only do membership sites and I build them in one day because you can talk something to death. You can think something to death and, and really it, it paralyzes you to not be able to move forward. And when there are so many um, options for things now, I was actually listening to uh, This Is Marketing by Seth Godin the other day. And he was saying that the doing of things has become so, so simple. And it's true. I mean, there are so many tools now that you can use to do something. So his point was that you really need to focus on the, the marketing of that thing and the accomplishing of that thing rather than the actual doing of that thing. And so for me, um, you know, choosing a membership model that is I upload videos every you know week or two. I upload a blog post every week or two. I upload um, you know new worksheets or whatever things like that every week or two. A new ebook um, that I'm already creating the content for something else. I'm already creating the content for this small group of people over here, or that sect of group of people over there, or that you know class I'm teaching, and really focusing on actually creating all that content because the doing of it and putting it into a membership site is so easy now. Yeah, and and that's that's a big change from what it used to be like, where it was the doing was hard. Uh, the market, you know, marketing's never been easy, but it was also easier, right? Just because because the doing was harder, it, there was less people trying to do it, so marketing was was a little easier too. So yeah, marketing's gotten harder, and the doing's gotten easier, so that it's a new challenge for everybody. Um, question though, so with the Simplified Academy, how much are you charging, and and, and is that always I have been stayed the, the same price? Um, I believe that I, I, I don't go for the lowest common denominator, but I do believe in things being in reach. And, um, whenever I price my services and, and when it came to the membership, I wanted it to be something that was doable 
but I also wanted it to be something that someone could set and forget, but also set and forget and use. And so my price point has been $35 a month. Um, it's been very successful for me, but at the same time, um, it's been a challenge because some people will go in and say, oh my gosh, you should be charging $100 a month for this content. But then if when I've tried trial runs of, of different price points for, you know, extra access or, you know, different things like that, just to kind of see how it would do, do some test runs, <clears throat> it was bombing. And it was because my market wasn't there, even though one or two people were like, yeah, this is amazing. Um, my, my total market wasn't there yet. <laughs> so it was definitely um, doing testing was really important and, and listening to some people and, and getting that feedback, but then also making sure that I was staying true to, you know, my, my client base. Yeah. A good uh, little trick that, that we tell people and that we personally used ourselves is when you're getting feedback from customers on the pricing, you're going to get, you know, positive things like, oh, this is a great deal. This is a steal, et cetera. And you're going to get the negative of, oh, this is way too expensive or, oh, it's not worth it. Uh, and the key is you should be hearing both of those messages, uh, in my opinion, because that kind of shows you're somewhere in the middle of the two, which is, which is what you want, right? You're not leaving too much on the table, but you're also not overcharging people. Um, and that, yeah, you kind of want to keep a happy. I agree. There. I agree. And I did, I did hear both. And that's, that's why I did some testing just to make sure, but yeah, I agree with you. You're, you want to be in that middle range. And, um, for, for us, for what we're offering here, from what I'm offering, it's definitely the mid range. Something else that's interesting about you know, leave, leaving a certain amount on the table. There's some companies out there uh, that I've been reading about who kind of argue that you should leave more on the table than you think, which kind of goes against conventional wisdom of sort of charging more and everybody should, everybody should be making more money. Uh, the idea being that if you're leaving more on the table, in other words, you're, you're charging perhaps less than you could be. You're, you're also, it's not just, you're making less money. Uh, the, the positive side to it is that you're also going to get more goodwill potentially from some customers because they're going to feel like they're getting such a good deal that they'll have this really good uh, thought when it comes to your brand, when it comes to your product, they're happy to pay it as opposed to, yeah, it's worth it. Um, instead it's, oh, this is a great deal. So that's a very different kind of an emotion if you think about it. I, I think that's true. And I have, I've definitely experienced that with some of the services where I've priced them, maybe a little bit lower than other people think, or like you said, you got that, you are leaving a little bit on the table. And so, you know, in some terms, but you do get that goodwill. And, and a lot of my clients, they'll pay me whatever I ask them for whatever I'm telling them they should buy, because they know that I'm going to find something that's going to work for them specifically, uh, whether it's a membership that I'm running or a, a course that I'm doing or you know anything like that um, or an in-person event, it doesn't matter. Or maybe I'm saying, hey, we need to redo your website. It's time. You know, anything that I tell them, they're like, one, one lady actually said to me the other day, she's like, you know what? I don't care how much it is. I will make it work because you always take care of me. And that, that goodwill definitely does stem from being consistent in that um, that pricing and and not you know charging so much for this one product but so little for this other one you have to definitely be consistent throughout what you're doing. Yeah, so building up goodwill is, is another way of saying building yes. up trust, right? So so people are, are trusting you because you're all, you're you know you're being authentic with them, you're you're being helpful, you're not trying to squeeze every last dollar out of them. 
And some, and especially with a membership model specifically, that can be very beneficial because yeah, maybe you're making less per month than you could be, but the person might stay a customer for longer, right? So if they stay a customer longer, even though they're paying a little bit less per month than someone else in the long run of the lifetime of that, of that customer uh, with you, you actually might make more money. So it actually might be win-win for everybody. That's actually what happened with my previous membership. Um, I learned a lot during the time when I built that it was, $10 a month for an aggregated calendar of the entire region's um, networking events. And they were all categorized and vetted. So if an event was on the calendar, it meant that someone had been to it. Someone thought it was a good showing of a good networking event because some of them are crappy. I'm sure most of your people in the audience have been to bad networking events. And so these were all vetted. Um, They were all categorized. So if it was a women's only event, you knew. And so this service of just saying, we've done all this work on this calendar, I charged $10 a month. And that membership, um, the life of that membership was about three years. And it was a, it was not because it was failing. It was because the tide was changing in the industry. And, um, but the people that stayed with me that, that got on board in the beginning for the $10 a month, they stayed with me for $10 a month for three years. I mean, until it ran out until it was done. And, they're even clamoring, like, isn't it going to come back? You know, <laughs> but it was one of those things that, you know, like you said, you're not necessarily, I wasn't making $10 a month. I mean, it was, it was kind of pennies, but they stayed for so long that over time, you know, that loyalty really did grow and it was, it was pretty neat. So how did you initially build an audience, I guess, first for those initial live events? And then how did you transform that into the, into building an audience to purchase the membership side of it? So For my uh, in-person events, I do partner with a lot of other agencies. I've partnered with um, SCORE, SBDC, SBA, and also just libraries and just kind of local governmental um, agencies that are here to help and equip small businesses. And they put on the events a lot of the time, and then I will volunteer to teach or volunteer to speak. And then I'll say, hey, can I record this? And of course, they're doing it for, you know, free to the, their people. So they're like, sure, no problem. Um, I've also done a lot of lecturing at um, colleges for the marketing professors. I'll go in and do lectures. And that's a great way to kind of practice um, a talk that you're trying to hone or, or, you know, practice to give at a larger event. And I'll record those too. And it's, it's really good because you can get a lot of great feedback from those and also have a great recording as well. So a lot of those events are partnered with other groups. Um, And then I also do a lot of networking events. So I speak at a lot of um, networking events and I'll take a a two-hour talk and condense it down into a 30-minute talk. And it's another great um, recording snippet to, to have as well. So I'm curious for the for the government uh, based events like the local government ones. It, was it as simple as sending an email to, to someone that's in charge of a, an organization or a committee, or how did you actually get involved and get them to say yes to allowing you to speak? A lot of it is I'll volunteer. <laughs> uh, if, as long as you get to the right person who's coordinating um, those events, so like with SCORE, the, each chapter has um, their own events coordinator who's elected every two years. And it's one of the members and they're volunteering their time. And so if you say, hey, I'm going to come alongside you and volunteer my time with you, then they are all about it. Um, Especially those types of events. They want people who are in business 
who are working in the industry and who can speak to these topics that they're trying to promote to other small businesses who are kind of coming up and they're starting out and they need that, that expertise. But a lot of their um, volunteer members are retirees or people who have been in business, which is great knowledge too, but they want to kind of give that mix. And so it's definitely a great option to, to definitely just reach out and visit a couple chapters and talk to the members and say, Hey, how do I become a member? A lot of times it's free. You sign a, an ethics code and you're in, you know? <laughs> so it's just a matter of um, networking to get to those people or, you know, finding the local college or the local SBA and saying, Hey, I'd love to teach some classes. Um, who do I talk to about that? And, and if you say volunteer, they will snap you up in a minute. <laughs> Smart, smart. Um, have you heard of an organization called BNI? Yes, before? I have. <laughs> do you have any experience working with them? Because we, we used to do that back in the yes, day. Yes, BNI is a very intensive kind of group, I feel like. It's not for everybody, I don't think. But I have had some dealings with them. I, I love to, to sub for them. A lot of the members, um, if they go on vacation or if they're out of town or if they're sick or something comes up, um, they need a sub. And so that's my favorite thing to do is to go and sub for someone because you get to experience the group, um, you know, on a, you know, not a semi-regular basis, I would say, um, without having that rigorous schedule because that rigorous schedule for me is not really part of my uh, daily routine, but for some people, it's amazing. I have several friends who are part of it, and they love it, and they get so much business out of it. And it's really great for people who are wanting to learn to network. Um, I've I definitely recommend BNI to people who maybe have never been great networkers because they do offer so much training through BNI, which is really really awesome. And then I also recommend it to people who are coming out of corporate America because. BNI really has this this really great uh, model where they kind of ease you out of corporate America mindset. They get you into that you own your own business, but they kind of guide you a little more heavy handedly along the way, which is why I love it for people who are doing that transition. And I've had several friends come straight from corporate America, start their businesses, go into a BNI, and two years later, they are like, it's like they never were in corporate America. It's like they were an entrepreneur the whole time. And it's because of that, that rigorous training that they offer, which is so awesome. Yeah, I'd say for folks who are starting out or, or newer uh, in their membership uh, business journey, uh, finding a BNI chapter, if you know anyone who's, who's at one and doing the sub concept might make some sense because you mm -hmm. know it's free to sub. Whereas being an actual member of BNI is not cheap. It, it's, it's hundreds of dollars, uh, I think a quarter. Um, so being a sub is a good way, like you said, get some experience networking, get some, get some, get some experience uh, going to a large organization and speaking in front of people. It, everybody does a, a short amount of talking. So it's just a good experience, I think. And, and it could also lead to business, but it's a good place maybe to start when, when you're first going down the path of, of marketing and building an audience and learning how to do sales and all that. Absolutely. Good stuff. And also Meetup is um, another great one. That's one that people often overlook. And I think they overlook it because when they go into Meetup, they say all the stuff that they like and none of the business stuff. So I always tell people, go into your profile and change all of your interests to business only. <laughs> take off the kayaking, take off the ballroom dancing, put on small businesses, entrepreneurs, you know, all that stuff that looks kind of boring and on paper. 
But when you do that and you go back to your, your actual calendar of events of that they're going to show you, you're going to be so surprised at exactly how much is in your local area. Even within a 30-mile radius of you, it's kind of crazy. So if you haven't tried that yet, that's definitely the thing I should I recommend. So with, let's talk about networking events in general, because I'm sure a lot of folks out there are aware of networking events, especially if you live in a city, you know, there's pretty much an unlimited number of networking events you could go to. Um, and networking and networking as an event is, is a pretty broad and general term. So are there specific types of networking events that you recommend? Um, and also, how do you get the most out of it as far as results, right? And by results, pretty much business. How do you get more sales? How do, how do, how do you make them actually work for you? Because I personally have had mixed results with them. I know other people who have had mixed results. So what have you done to kind okay, of optimize? Okay, so let's break that down. So we got networking events in general. Um, I definitely think there are some specific events that are tailored and catered for specific people. So I'm a woman. So there's lots of women's events. And I feel like if you are a woman and you're listening to this, you should look for women's events. Um, a lot of times it can make us feel a little more comfortable. We can feel like we're with um, our peer group because sometimes the mixed groups are a little more intimidating because there's this really successful guy over here and this really successful lady over there. And then it's just overwhelming. And so you feel like a little bit more comfortable when you're with a peer group that you feel comfortable with. Um, there's also small chambers of commerce. Like there's uh, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce chapters. There's Holistic Chamber of Commerce chapters. There are um, African-American Chamber of Commerce. I mean, there's really breaking down into these small sectors of these peer groups that I think are a really great way to kind of ease into it where you are around people that you're like, these are my people. These I'm comfortable with these people. I want to start here. And that can kind of help you build that confidence. Um, there's also realtor only groups. There's um, web designer only groups. I mean, you can even go down to industry level. So finding that group that really resonates with you, you're like, yes, these are my people. They speak my language. I get it. And then you can kind of branch out from there. Um, getting the most out of a group is really interesting question because a lot of people go in with the hard sell. They're like, I am here to sell something. And one of the things I do, uh, one of the questions I ask in my talk is, are you going to a networking group to sell something? Absolutely. Are you going to a networking group to buy something? No, you are not there to buy something. You might end up buying something, but you're not really going to buy something. And the, the answer to that question is, well, you, everyone's there to buy. I mean, no one's there to buy and everyone's there to sell. So you have this kind of, issue going on this kind of battle between what people are there to do and what other people are there to do to them and it's all kind of messed up so what I tell people is you go in and you're there to meet people you're there to make connections you're there to say hey I think that we could actually have something in common here not only do I think I could help you in your business or do I think I could you know work with you on a collaboration we need to talk outside of this and then from there, you can have a second conversation where people can actually connect and actually get a little deeper into, well, your industry and my industry, how can we make this work? How can we build something that's maybe collaborative and still not selling? We're still not selling. And then from there, you get that know, like, and trust factor going where then that person might say, you know what? I had somebody who needed a website. I'm going to send them over to you because now that I know you, now that I like you, and I'm starting to trust you. I'm going to start referring people to you or even come to you myself. So definitely setting aside that selling hat, but still being a marketer at the same time and letting people know what you do without 
pushing the sale on them is really going to get you that second, third, and fourth conversation that maybe will lead to something. But it takes a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a brilliant answer. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I I have heard that from other people. I just personally haven't tried it. I, I guess maybe I gave up a little too quick. Plus, what we're doing is not so much one-on-one as much with once you do software and all of that. Um, but yes, especially for one-on-one type consulting businesses, uh, I think that that, that, that is a, a very smart tactic. And even if you weren't doing that, I think you're right, though, just about building up those partnerships. You never know where it could lead. So it's, it's a great thing to start, I think, when, when you're beginning your business and potentially even after. Um, so let's move on a little bit. Are there any other, I guess, marketing tactics uh, that we haven't talked about that, that you've used that have really worked and that you think might be helpful for other people trying to start membership-specific yes. businesses? Facebook is usually the black hole, I feel like. <laughs> it's where people dump all the money. It's where people dump all the content. And it doesn't usually yield as much as it could in some cases. Some people do really, really, really well. And then the rest of us just kind of flounder with it. I do believe that Facebook has a very specific role, especially for people starting out with membership businesses. One, you can start a Facebook group, which I think everybody kind of does as part of a membership. It's it's kind of your your go-to forum, if you will, is in addition to your actual website that you're creating that has the membership on it. And I think there's another thing that a lot of people miss. And if you're going to start a group, you're probably in a lot of other groups. And so what I recommend for people, and I do this myself quite often, actually, is I go into the groups that I'm a part of. And I'm in them because my target market is in them. I'm not going in there to sell because you'll get kicked out. You'll get in Facebook jail for that. But I go in there and I just answer questions. I read through the list um, for the day of, of what's been posted, you know, for the past week or the past month, whatever, however often I'm going in there. And I read through the list. And if no one's answered the question, I am on it. Or if somebody has answered the question, and I think there's a different answer, I'll answer it again. <laughs> um, and I will give my two cents on that subject. And what really that does is it builds the rapport. It builds your reputation as someone who gives answers. And you give your answers. It may not be the answer that someone else is going to give. It may not be the answer that someone expected. Or I've been actually ostracized in groups before where people have gotten upset with me for giving what they called a stupid answer, but it was actually something that worked for me. Um, And I had to stand my ground on that. And it was very difficult, but I just kept doing it. And I kept showing up and I kept answering questions. And people who are not answering questions and people who are not posting, they're still there and they're still watching. And so this really does give you that ability to be visible Um, And so when someone asks a question and your membership is the answer, because it will happen and it will happen more than once, you can say, that's a great question. I actually created a solution for this. Um, I'm happy to share it with you due to the rules of this group. I can send you a private message with that information. And typically what people will do is if they're also looking for an answer to the same question, They will message you then and say, oh, hey, I want that info too. Oh, hey, I want that info too. And you can kind of build this little small following. Um, And and again, going back to Seth Godin, he's got uh, in This Is Marketing, he talks about the smallest viable audience. And you can build the smallest viable audience with five or six people from a group that you're in that all kind of are like, oh, yeah, man, I want that. I want that solution. I need that, that in my life. And 
you can build it through them. And those five people will then share it with the people they know. And maybe even say, hey, I, you know, I'd love to get a review from you on this or, you know, whatever you you've built that rapport with them already. And now you can kind of utilize that to build more rapport with more people through reviews, through, um, you know, testimonials, video testimonials, you know, whatever else you might be able to leverage from that interaction you've had by helping people with solving their problem. Yeah. And I think that's a very approachable thing that people can do, especially when they're first starting the business, which is where a lot of people struggle, right? Is, is how do they get attention? How, how do they get an audience when they're, when they're really just starting out and being helpful is, is like you said, a really a good way to begin. Um, it, it, it's always a good thing because people will, uh, like you said, they'll, they'll like what, if they like what you're saying, they're going to, they might join your email list. They might directly message you. They might even buy your product, but that's not what you're leading with. If you're leading with being helpful, it, it's a it's a natural way to get a little bit of traction, and also to see if if you actually are be if you're able to help real people in random situations like that on Facebook. Maybe that that does kind of some proof that you're onto something, or that you do know what you're talking about, or that it is something you should pursue further. Maybe make a course out of, or or whatever. Um, if if the advice you're giving is not resonating with people it's kind of like marketing as a test to kind of see, does this, is this going to work? Are my thoughts and opinions and advice, is this actually useful or not? Exactly. And also I've actually tested my products in these groups before I've, you know, had people, someone ask a question, I've been putting together a course on that very subject. And I'll say, Hey, I'd love to have you beta test this course. It would be completely free. Um, you know, it'd be available to you for one month. And I'd love to get your feedback on it at the end of the four weeks. Um, and they would say, oh, that's great. It's exactly what I needed. And a lot of the feedback I, that came back um, from those beta tests that I did were usability things. It wasn't that the course was bad. It wasn't that the content was bad. It was something was wrong with the usability of the site or the way that it was functioning or the way that it was laid out. And those are such easy fixes that once you've kind of vetted that content, and gotten the feedback that, oh, yeah, the content was great, but I couldn't use it because, or I, it was hard to navigate because, um, then those are just such easy fixes. Then you know you're ready to go and you're ready to launch. Right. So if you if you have uh, any other uh, kind of parting words here about what hasn't worked, what have you tried when it comes to building an audience, when it comes to marketing, if you can think of any kind of quick story or something that might be helpful to people that, that really didn't work for you. I think... I think the worst thing that I ever did was go go to networking events and just try and talk to every single person. Like try to fit too much into an interaction. And when you overload someone in one interaction um, and then you keep doing that over and over and over and over, they don't want to come back for more because they've heard it all. And so really learning to kind of hone what you say and when you say it. That's why I mentioned the three or four or five different interactions with someone. You don't want to try and figure them out or figure out if they're going to be your client or your referral partner or in the first interaction. It's going to take five to seven touches, uh, three to four conversations to actually get to the point where you go, I understand what this is. I understand how our relationships work. And, and now I know where you fit into kind of my ecosphere um, of my marketing. But when I was kind of early on in the stages of networking, I and in marketing myself, I really just tried to like tell everyone my life story in two minutes. And they were just so overwhelmed with all the things that I did, they couldn't even focus. 
um, because I was like, oh, and I do this and I do this and I do this. And they were like, oh, okay, nice to meet you. Bye. <laughs> they didn't want any more of it. And so I really had to learn to tone it back and give the information that was pertinent and timely. And then as we got to know each other better and as that interaction continued, you know, offline, so to speak, then I was able to just, you know, get from them a little more information of what else can I share with you that's going to be helpful to you, not how can I throw everything at the kitchen sink at you? <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's really great advice. Okay, well, Elizabeth, uh, let's, why don't we wrap up here? If you could just let people know uh, what's a good way to learn more about you if they, if they have questions or want to talk to you about anything else. Yes, my name is Elizabeth Pampalone, and my website is Elizabeth pampalone.com. It's P-A-M-P-A-L-O-N-E.com. And I would love to hear from anybody, an email or um, just a quick message on Facebook is great too. So I'd love to chat with people. I just like helping and brainstorming. That's my favorite thing. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking time to talk with us. Thank you so much. This episode has been brought to you by Memberspace membership software anyone can use to easily turn their existing website into a membership business. You can learn more by visiting memberspace.com.